Welcome back to In The Spotlight with me, Liesl Kaldis van Rooyen. Today I'm catching up with my friend Will Hawkins, who is the frontman of the LA-based band Nine Mile Station. We spoke about 14 months ago in episode six, so I suggest that if you haven't listened to that, you listen to that before you listen further to this episode. He has some very exciting recent news to share so I hope that you will be inspired on what he has to tell us today. Enjoy. So, well, it's so nice to see you again. I think it was about 14 months exactly ago that we caught up and um, I've been following you so closely and you have very exciting news, very new recent news and updates to share with us. So please tell us about it. Sure. So... When we spoke last year, we had just released an EP, which is a a smaller, like a eight track album. And we kind of just released some early stuff that we had recorded during COVID after waiting forever to try to Mm. share what we had worked on. And over the course of the year, we really started performing more and we played some real like big gigs here in Los Angeles. And we as a band started getting tighter about what our sound was going to be and really building uh, a fan base and started getting some radio play around the country as well. Right. And then we released our, our first full length album on July 28th. And then we played the legendary Troubadour here in Los Angeles on the 29th. And we've been getting regular radio play in Los Angeles since the album released. And our reviews and magazine stuff have just been off the charts stellar. And we're in the process of submitting the music for uh, consideration for 2024 Grammys. Oh, my word. Yeah. So it's, it's been a lot of work and it continues. Yeah. And it's one of these things where, the last three years putting this music together i mean it was every day it was relentless and you just keep going and you just keep okay what can i get done today and with the release there's a sense of like all right we we're here we i can take a breath but then there's this whole other group of work that needs to get done to promote the record and to market and do social media and to do interviews and to continue doing shows. And there really hasn't been like that break to take, to catch your breath. It's almost like, okay, I'm at the top of the mountain now. And then you actually pull yourself up to the top of the mountain only to find out that it's base camp four. And that there, you know, after a hundred yards of plane, there's like another mountain top behind it. So, you know, you, I think if anything, I've learned that you really got to pace yourself while you're, this is not a sprint, it's a marathon and you don't want to burn yourself out, you know? And that, I mean, that's like life too, you know, it's just like, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon and um, pacing yourself. So you have the energy to be able to do the things that are important for you to reach that next benchmark. I am, I loved, um, well, first of all, congratulations. I, um, I just think it is amazing. It's a couple of weeks ago, you launched and um, the big headlining at Trebador and, and I think um, when we spoke last time, you were quite philosophical. Philosophical. <laughs> philosophical. philosophical. Yeah. About you know how how life, the life journey has been you've been on, and how life changed the last few years, and you were so content. And I was wondering, you know, this past year and these recent developments, literally like you now mentioned, kind of coming to the top. 
how, how has that has it changed? Are you feeling different? Is there more things you've learned? It really it has in a way. And I remember the period of time when we spoke and it and I and I was very philosophical and I I felt like coming out of COVID and having that quiet time gave me a lot of time to think about the things that I wanted, things who I wanted to be, um, how I responded to things. And when we spoke last, we were just coming out of COVID and the like mm-hmm. the speed of life was just mm-hmm. starting to come back. Mm-hmm. And in the weeks after our conversation, it felt like life went from 10 miles an hour to 70 miles an hour. And you and I spoke probably at the last period of time where I find where I've had that that moment of peace, where I had the time and effort to be able to be that kind of philosophical, where it seems that the last 14 months have just been so relentless of like getting back to my day job, which is as, as an event producer and trying to be able to create revenue for myself as well as balancing that out with the music. And it's a full-time job managing the business of this band. But at the same time, it's, I miss that period of time when you and I spoke last. It, there was, um, I miss who I was at that time. You know, I wish that I had, and it kind of shows, it shows me what we could have. Like if we, if we lived in a different kind of culture where we didn't have to spend eight to 12 hours a day creating revenue for ourselves exactly. to be able to do these passion projects, mm. like what we're really truly capable of intellectually, you know, and, but it's, um, it's a different time and we have to live in the present and try to get the best out of each day. From that period, you know, where, um, like you say, where other things, you made other things priority and, and, and kind of now stick again with it, you know, and not just going back to the 12 hours working where you really only should do eight and oh. just, um, prioritizing your own passions as well. And, um, that's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Trying to and do there's, so. <laughs> there's a reason why Nero sent the philosophers off to live in exile you know, because they see the truth. And when we have time enough to be able to uh, spend on ourselves and um, not be distracted by bills and, and deadlines, we do see what life is really about. And we see what our, our goals should be or could be. And the last 14 months have been really just about chasing the ball, you know, mm-hmm. and COVID for me was, I got to hold the ball for a little while. And that was nice. And um, it was nice to be able to wake up every day and only write songs or only record songs or, or or only just to sit in a field or on the beach and just think without any distraction. And there's something to be said about that period of quiet that we had during lockdown that I surely benefited from. And there was surely a lot of anxiety about our health, about our future, about what was going to happen next. But there was a period of a couple months where I kind of just let go of all the worry and anxiety and just tried to live each day. And man, there was a lot of power in that. And um, I miss having that bandwidth free now, where is I wake up every day, I go through my checklist of things I need to get done. Next thing I know, it's six o'clock and another day is burned, you know? So, um, it's it's again trying to put time aside for yourself to be able to get the things out that are most joyful out of your day exactly and do you think if you didn't have that time 
you know, where you had the time to be creative and the time to focus on this. Maybe you wouldn't have been where you are now. Oh, no way. You've just been left behind. No I mean, way. You guys, you guys as a band started during lockdown, didn't you really? You Well, we started in 2019 and but we didn't we didn't start recording until January 2020. We had just started laying down basic tracks when COVID had kind of hit. Mm. And that just gave us more time to be able to go into the studio. And my partner Fernando Perdomo in the project, he's a, he has a working recording studio and he's a working producer. So I can't I can't get it time in a studio now unless I book it and pay for wow. it. Yeah. You know, it's just like, I mean, he's back to being busy every day or being on tour. So um, during, during lockdown, um, I just picked up the phone. I'm like, what are you up to? He's like, nothing. And I'm like, all right, I'm on my way. All right, cool. And we'd spend the whole day working stuff out. And again, to be able to have that free time and not being distracted by other obligations or responsibilities really allowed me to be an artist and a writer, a true artist and a writer for the mm -hmm. first time in my life. Like I've always had to balance it out with other things, but during lockdown, that was, I woke up every day and I was an artist. I wasn't artist slash marketer. You know, it was, it was the first time in my life I was able to really sit in that skin. And I did some of the best work I've ever done in my life that time. It just shows what we can do when we actually have the opportunity to get the creative bits, you know, and our real soul out there without all the other distractions. Absolutely. I mean, I there's artists and philosophers and scientists that created beautiful things and important things while they were doing another job. You know, it's some people are better at being able to balance that out than others. And I still write songs. But it's just um, you have a different perspective and you see things and you feel things differently where you have the space to. Yeah. And is that the dream maybe again to, <laughs> you know, obviously be back at all you do is right. I mean, you're a signed well, band now, you know. What, the you dream know? is to be able to build an audience where people care enough about what we do to pay money to come see us play, hmm. uh, buy T-shirts and buy our music online where it's that kind of thing is important enough for people where it can um, justify a living doing that. Um, you still have to generate income, right? Unless I, and I'm not one to marry well, <laughs> I just couldn't do it, you know? So um, I, I would love to be able to make a living doing this. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing is, is that also at my age, I've realized like what, what I do truly need to be happy, you know, and it's not, I don't need a whole lot of money to do that, you know? So if I can make a record every two years, tour every year and just generate enough to make sure I feed and clothe and house myself and a nice dinner once in a while, I'm, that's the kind of thing I'm completely content with. Um, 10, 15 years ago, when I was like deep in my corporate job, I was driving hard and I was trying to climb that ladder and I was the more zeros at the end of the check was how I defined myself. Mm. And then a funny thing happens is when you lose all of that and all you're left with is the reflection in your mirror, you really got to dig deep and figure out what those things that are truly important are. And again, it's just like money's nice. The things that come with it are nice, but um, it's not how I, um, how I mark my successes anymore. Mm. No, that's so important. That's almost something I've, I've actually um figured out in in the past year since we you know since we um 
since we spoke is that one big thing for me was always measuring my success, you know, on accomplishments and whether that was in school or work and your job and things you've done and and just going back to, but, you know, that is not really what success is. Success for me is like, am I happy? Am I doing the things I'm passionate about? Am I enjoying what I'm doing? And like you said, simple life, being able to have the time to spend um, freely on the things you enjoy with the people you love, that is that is the most important thing. So, no, definitely, um, it's, it's amazing how we, we, we go almost full circle and realize that, um, some things are nice, but they, they're more material, they of the world and they yeah, and, last forever. And I think as a mother, you know, you want to, you want to set like examples for your kids as to mm -hmm. where happiness is, you know, and it's, and where you find your happiness is where you set the example for your children. They see that. I still remember like what my parents, like what their goals were and where their values were when I was growing up. And I know my father, he, he worked a lot. And I barely saw him like in my formative years, he just wasn't around. And I know that when I went to college and I, when I graduated, I, I made choices where I I wanted to be able to be in a more creative field and do things that I loved to do, as opposed to the things that I had to do. And my father growing up during the depression fighting in world war II, I mean, his values and like what his, the expectations put on him during his childhood into his adulthood were very different. And he wasn't given a choice, really. Well, he felt he didn't have a choice. He felt he was obligated. Where maybe I was raised in a generation where I, I forced those choices for myself. And um, I and I don't know. It's I my I struggled with my relationship with my father when I was in my twenties because he did not support music. He did not support the creative aspects, at least not verbally to me. He might have privately. But he was always pushing me towards the 401k and benefits and the corporate job, which is something he didn't have. But that's what he wanted for me. And I just found that stifling. And when you and I met, I was working for Fox Sports in New York. And I had just released my first solo album. And that I was getting some radio play in the United Kingdom, which which is how I ended up in London that time. And um, I remember that coming back, my father didn't even ask me how it went. You know, he would avoid conversations about it. And I felt that I was reaching certain goals and I and I was finding my little successes, but it I was unable to share that with him because he didn't want to hear it. And what that does for me now is like when I when I'm dating or when I have friends or when I'm dealing with family, if they can't share in those successes, if they can't share in those wins, then those aren't people I really want to have around me. You know, it's like I I need a team and a, a, that can love me in a way that I know I need to be loved. And I think as we get older, we recognize how we need to be loved. And then it's up to us whether or not we surround ourselves with those people or not. You know, it's so I'm much more careful now with the people that I spend my time with. And if uh, if they ain't helping me push the rock up the hill, then I don't have any use for them either. Mm. Right. Supporting each other you know and sometimes when you find out the relationship is more one way and yeah getting that support you know you realize that you need to spend less time there and go go back and spend more time with the people who 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 support and who you can support as well exactly mm. and I, i'm at an age now where it's again where it's like i know what i need to survive i know what i need to what makes me happy 
And maybe if I had my father who was more supportive in that way growing up, maybe I would have held, maybe I would have held those expectations for myself higher at the time. Yeah. You can't go back. I don't hate the man. You know, I learned from that situation of how I like, how I want to live, how I want to be loved. And um, sometimes we learn those lessons for what we didn't have. And do you, do you think, do you ever think if he would have been happy now or, or happy, but I mean, um, supportive? Do you think he um, would be happy and supportive? No. <laughs> really? No, he wouldn't. Mom, your mom. My mom I mean, would. Mom, yeah, my mom. My mom I tell this story all the time. So my mom would have been supportive no matter what I did. She just had, she was just, a, she was just filled with love, filled with support. And she really loved her boys. And she was just happy. If we were happy, she was happy. And I used to tell this I don't know if it's a joke or not, but if my mother was so proud of me that if I was a serial killer, my mother would have been proud of me as a serial killer. And she would have sat in the club with her girlfriends and they're like, did you see that he got another one last night? They're never going to catch him. He's the most prolific killer in the world. And I'm so proud of him. That's the kind of mother I had. She would have just been proud of whatever I did. But my father, if I was president of the United States, he'd be like, yeah, but you're a Democrat. And he would find a way of marginalizing my my successes for whatever reason. He was a, a maudlin Irishman who was raised during the depression. He was one of 11 kids and yeah. he fought for everything that he had. And I think what he tried to instill in me was that life is hard and I always needed to be able to fight harder than the next person. Um, he wasn't as articulate in the way that I, as I am as far as like sharing my ideas. And I I think he meant well but he just, he didn't have a way of explaining the whys of things. He was more authoritative and just like, you, you're you going to do this. And I'd be like, why? He's like, because I told you so. And I was like, ah, it doesn't, I don't know, man. Even at 13, I was like, that ah, kind of need a reason. I'm not going to follow you blindly. And that's something that even as an adult, I still, I question authority probably too much. I mean, that's what form does. And all I can say is, I mean, this is proof. Your your recent success in your in your in your world of music is proof that you you continued. You know, you you, you kept on fighting. You get up, you know, kept on going for your dream, and that's the bit I'm so excited about for you. Yeah, and it, you know, I I do believe the things in life that are meant for you will find you, and yes, the, the hiatus between my albums, the ten year hiatus, I clearly needed that. I came out of that, and I've approaching my my writing and my music now differently than I did 10 15 years ago and with the attention that's getting now clearly there is a benefit to that so I don't regret anything about it you know I'm happy to be here now and um, I'm excited for what comes tomorrow you know and that's all I can be I can't really um, everything that happened with my mom and my dad all those jobs and relationships in between they all led me to right here and I'm happy to be right here. And that's, you know, I'm trying to make the most of being right here. That's amazing. Yeah. Listen, tell us where we can find you. The band is called Nine Mile Station. And across all social media, uh, you can find us at Nine Mile Station Music. Um, my solo music can be found at Real Will Hawkins Music. And that's because since I first started making music, apparently there's a lot more Will Hawkinses that were born. <laughs> And those little motherfuckers have been trying to make music too. So, so uh, you can find me. I did pick that up one day when I was, you know. (laughs) Um, So real Will Hawkins music um, across socials and website there. And um, Um, the album, the album. And the album is called Bizarre. And um, 
that is available on all platforms. Um, it's available on I'm like Apple Music, Spotify, Title, all across that as well. And um, we'll be continuing to make new music as we go. We're really excited to get back out on the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, the radio play has been has been great. Um, and we've got more reviews that are coming out this month for the album. And it's just been um, very satisfying to see that what we made in a hermetically sealed room 18 months ago is now out there and, and people are enjoying it. And um, and then our my mentor, Al Schmidt, he mixed songs on the record. He passed away in April of 21. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the most prolific engineers and producers in music history. Uh, he worked with Sam Cooke, Barbara Streisand, Frank Sinatra, Bob Dylan, Neil Young. I mean, you name it. Um, and he won more Grammys than any other engineer in the history of music. And I was his assistant when I was in my 20s. And we stayed friends over the years. And we were the last project that he worked on before he passed away. So and this album, really, actually, some from some of his work is on this album. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really excited to be able to uh, submit this for the Grammy, so his uh, contemporaries and peers, he they can they can hear the music, the last project that he worked on before he passed, and we're just really super proud of what we've done and really excited about where we're going. Well, we're gonna look, keep an eye on that Grammy list, and um, you know, keep an eye, everybody who the U.S. listeners, you know, keep an eye on when they're coming touring to your city, and um, hey, you guys need to come here. Hopefully uh, we certainly well. will okay. when the, okay. when the time's right, maybe hopefully next year, it's still like, I wouldn't say that COVID is still affecting what we're doing, but we're still trying to work, you know, get back to zero and mm. be able to start moving forward. But I'm really excited to get back to the UK as well. It's a big part of my history as well. And we got to get you back up on stage with that violin. Oh, I would love that. Thing <laughs> off. Yeah, that'd be great. Listen, Congratulations. So excited for you. So inspiring. Um, good luck with everything that lies ahead and enjoy it. Enjoy this moment. And um, yeah, we keep on following cool. you. Talk again in 14 Thank months. Thank you, Liesl. <laughs> for the next Thank time. you, Liesl. It's been a pleasure talking with you again and uh, looking forward to seeing you soon. I hope so. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you've been enjoying the show, I would be so grateful if you could follow and rate and leave a review on whichever platform you are using. It all helps to make the show grow and it means the world to me. I hope we can continue to share interesting and inspiring stories with you. Have an amazing day and week. Until next time.